Good morning, traders and investors. Yes, it's a Money Mitch morning here. We got a lot to talk about this week. It's going to be a big, important week. Of course, CPI, FOMC meeting. What will happen towards the end of this week? Will we be thinking Santa Claus rally? Or will we be thinking Santa's bringing coal this time? We'll definitely keep watch what's going on in the energy energy situation that's going on in Europe. We got a lot to talk about. We got Merger Monday, definitely a couple of stocks getting off. Coupa, Weber, we'll talk about those companies. Horizon Therapeutics, Microsoft, buying a stake in London Stock Exchange. A lot to talk about. A lot of ratings out there. So if one rating got your attention, throw it up in the chat. Hit the thumbs up. This is pre-market prep. Let's rise and shine and get it started, traders. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's go ahead. Let's get it started. Let's do a little bit of a rundown. I don't have as good as a rundown as Joel Conan has. Of course, I don't have the futures, uh, but we'll go ahead and just take a look at it in the overnight action on the SPY, right? You can see we we're bouncing a little bit from that uh, bad close that we had Friday. We were dropping pretty quick, but right back up there towards 394.50s right now in the SPY. Let's continue going. We'll take a look here gld how's gold doing gold's trying to come back up there silver silver is actually down on the intraday and the pre-market action you can see it around 2150s for slv here um and then uso oil is going to be definitely something to watch right will we continue to drop you can see the support acting as support right now in the pre-market we'll see if it takes out those friday lows on uso and of course news from china shaking up things there uh let's go ahead let's bring in triple d we'll take we'll take a look at the overnight action and see what we saw in the spy what is going on what is going on dennis how merger are you doing monday, today merger monday 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 yes yes and we will give a shout out that we were wrong the lions did win can you believe it you cannot go against vegas they know they know they, they know, know. Who knows? Vegas, Vegas knows. knows. That's no. who knows. Don't no. go against Vegas, baby, because no, they'll get don't you. Don't go against Vegas. They knew all along. Lions were favored. Me and Mitch could not understand the reasoning why the Lions would be favored in that game. Obviously, way wrong. Me and Mitch, Vegas, way right. Lions, no doubter. They were unbelievable. Going to the Super Bowl, maybe not. I'll leave yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know about <laughs> all that, but uh, hey, 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 hey. They they need some kind of positive over there in Detroit, uh, least, right? I mean, what are they going to go day, for? At least for one weekend. It's not going to be the Tigers. It's not going to be the Pistons. Might as well be the Lions, right? There you got to go. give them something, right? I mean, probably not going to be the Wings. <laughs> yeah, so we we both we all know that. Got to give them something, man. I know how it is when your uh, team struggles. So 
not looking too, too bad. But let's get into the market action. Yeah, of course, inflation is going to be the focus. CPI coming out tomorrow. Then FOMC meeting. Dennis, what are you thinking about this week? I mean, it's so much, you know, like basically everything. Today, you're going to see a lot of chop positioning ahead because tomorrow we get the move in one direction or the other. If it comes in hot, Katie bar the door, the lows are in, or potentially not the lows of the whole move, but we're going to take out the lows of the recent move for sure. I would think if it comes in hot, we're going to see 380 on the spy, on, on, the, on the spy. So I'd say down, you know, it could lose a quick hundred handles if it comes in hot. If it comes in light, then the bulls got full green light go because they'll be like, we, this is two months in a row light. We have beaten this inflation. Fed's going to go 50, maybe 25, and then be done. So that's what the bull case would be. So, I mean, it all just depends. Everything depends on tomorrow at 830. That's everything. So you can trade whatever you want right now, but don't. I want to be neutral going in there because I have no idea if it's going to be hot or not. All right, let's get into the first headline of the day. We'll have to wait and see. Tomorrow, release 8.30. Don't miss it, team. Be here. All right, let's get into HZNP. Um, This is Horizon Therapeutics as their shares are rallying this morning in pre-market after the company announced it would be acquired with Amgen for $116.50 per share, valuing the company at more than $27 billion on a fully diluted basis. Um, of course, this is also going to be moving Amgen. Amgen, I saw, is moving down here. It's still yeah, moving it down a little bit in the pre-market. Of course, kind of a normal reaction there for the uh, purchaser to come down. But the acquiree yeah. here, Horizon Therapeutics, what do you feel about the stock, Dennis? I mean, we already, the stock, the price is over here. It's getting taken over. What is the price, Mitch? It is $116.50. And that's cash? Yes. Yeah. It's, so one twelve time value of money. You know, you ring the register. Congratulations. Move on. Rumors are paying here this morning because yeah. the three mergers that we're going to talk about here this morning were all rumored already. So we already knew yeah. all three of these stocks were in play. All get taken off the board this morning. We might as well just do them all together because merger Monday. So HCMP exactly. goes off the board from Amgen. Let's go to the Koopa one. It's probably the big one of the day, but it was rumored as well. You can see the big spike up. It was, you know, I, I don't know, about a month ago, not even a month ago. I guess we got about three weeks ago or so. Um, the big spike up where it, when it happened there, because I can remember it being rumored. And now it goes off the board, too. There you go. We are pushing in Coupa software. Of course, let's give those. They also released their earnings a little bit early here also. The Q3 EPS at 15 cents beat the 10 cent estimate. Sales at 217.3 million beat the 213.33 million estimate. Coupa software entering a definitive agreement to be acquired by Tama Bravo for $81 a share in cash, representing a total value of $8 billion. Of course, Tama Bravo is private equity there. Um, so uh, I think this is pretty much done, right? There's not much you, you can do Exactly. Here. All three of these deals are the same thing. They were all rumored, so you're getting paid to be buying the rumors because mm-hmm. um, all are materializing, and all are cash deals. So, I mean, the trades are pretty much over here. It's now time value of money unless you think the deal's not going to go through. But in this case, they're all smaller deals, so I don't think there's going to be any, any trust issues on any of these stock, or any of these deals here this morning. Sorry for the congestion. Long COVID does continue. It's the only thing I've been long successfully and continues to go on. Um, it, the rumors started back on November 23rd. We had a breaking news. You go to the pro, you can see it. Coupa Software shares trading higher 
after reports suggesting that Vista uh, was going to be uh, acquiring the company. And that's when the stock popped from the $44 up to $62 that day. Had been in consolidation station for the last two and a half weeks until today with confirmation that is indeed Thomas Bravo taking the company over. So yeah. that deal's done. Sympathy, you know, you get these cloud stocks, you know, to, um, maybe Twilio. I think Twilio is one that comes to mind right away. It's up a little bit here this morning, not up a pile. But again, this was already rumored, so it's not out of the blue. So, you know, the stock already had a little bit of premium on it that they knew they were kind of in play. So it does get taken off the board. And then the last deal, Mitch Weber. The grill, the grill there. Uh, I got to say, I was trying to help Weber. I actually bought a Weber grill just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but Weber agreeing to be taken private by BDT Capital Partners for $2.32 billion in cash or $8.05 per share. So if you were uh, looking to get your money back in this SPAC uh, and you're waiting for $10, you're not going to get it. Almost got it. Almost. A little almost, bit shy. Dennis. <laughs> it almost, was a SPAC. Weber was a SPAC. Yes. I don't remember that. Uh, and so one of the things that, uh, was it a stack or was it I don't it think it was, Mitch. I don't think it was. Hmm. I don't, I don't remember know. it, but I don't I got to look back was, into it. It doesn't look like there was a $10 either. It doesn't look like it was ever there. I think that was hmm. an IPO. I don't think it was. Was this one was? I, I got to go back into it. I'm saying IPO, but anyways. Well, yeah, the chat will always correct me. You know that Go on from memory. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't a SPAC. Spinner's right. Not a SPAC. Harry, not a SPAC. Not a SPAC. What was SPAC it? Just not a, a SPAC, regular IPO? Is it the same thing? Thank you very much. Yeah, Isn't it the great. same thing in my eyes? <laughs> wow, it's a way to go public, but the IPOs were the traditional way to go public. Then they decide to SPAC attack everything there, and then obviously the SPACs aren't working at all yeah, anymore. So yeah. anyways, IPOs. this was rumored as well. So yeah. Weber was in play, rumored for a long time, had the big pop-up in October. You can see from five to seven, hung out at seven. Now we get the going off the board over eight bucks. So the only direct peer here you know is Cook. Traeger, C-O-O-K. So Traeger's Traeger. trading up 12%. Was that a SPAC? Maybe that's nah, what no, it I wasn't either. Think, it was an I don't IPO think Traeger too. was it. What's the ticker no, again for Traeger? I don't even, I've never even looked it up. Cook. It's a good, it's a good oh, ticker. Cook. We never did that good ticker show. We were supposed to do yeah. like the best yeah, we tickers got out there. Cook's a pretty good one. We can, we can think about that for the end of the year. I'll, I'll try to, I'll the try best to look up some show. of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The best tickers. All right. We'll see what happens in Weber Grill. Let's keep moving forward since there's really not too much that we can do with these. Uh, we can go to Rivian. At least that's kind of more news I feel like will sure. actually affect the stock. Let's go to Rivian, R-I-V-N here. Uh, Rivian said Monday that it's pausing its plan to manufacture electric commercial vans in Europe and would no longer pursue the agreement that it had made with Mercedes-Benz. Of course, it said that it wants to focus on its uh, products to consumer and also, of course, products to business. But doesn't make sense to me. Of course, they said that the margins were the focus here. Just going to take a look at Rivian. It doesn't look like a chart that I want to be jumping in, into by any means. It needs to get back, I would say, above 30 for me to even take a look at it. Monthly chart says it all. I mean, we've been dead right on all these uh, these stocks. They're just the valuations are just nuts. I mean, Lucid, you know, we've yeah. hated this thing all the way down. I put a $5 <laughs> price target on Lucid when it was like 30. It's eight bucks. Hey, 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 hey. I'm actually going to have to correct you there. You, you said that it would spike. What? You, at one point, you said that Lucid would spike. I remember battling you on a lunch what? bet there. But maybe maybe you switch back to the downside long term. Maybe on a day term. trade. 
Maybe yeah, it was, it was like I think, an, like maybe I think it was one of those spiky. days. You, you know, I cannot remember days, being bullish lucid ever. Yeah, it was one of those days where we were both right. It was like one of those where you were like, oh, yeah. I might have been wrong. Get, if I, if I said it was going to spike, I'm wrong. You, you said I, it, I think it was right here on the 16. Because I know like I'm a valuation guy. I don't understand the valuations on any of these things. I can clearly say I said I can clearly remember saying I would not be surprised if Lucid is eventually $5. I think the stock was $35 when I said that. So I'm going to argue 35? with you. Maybe I was right. a day trade. Maybe I got bullish for a day. But, but guess what? The maybe best it was part 2020 is... when everything was spiking. But I'll tell you, in the last year and a half, there hasn't been any reason to be long any of these stocks. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you. I, in the long run, they're all kind of getting hit. And I mean, this is just a, a, a bigger worry going into a recession concern, right? I mean, because... We're expecting like a boom coming out of EV. You're not going to get a bubble type of reaction in a in if, if we're going into recession, right? I mean, well, you could get the boom too. Like these stocks could all boom, but they're all going to boom from lower levels because yeah. this valuation doesn't. Are they zeros? I don't know if they're all zeros, but I do know that the valuation to make sense on any of these companies. I mean, Lucid at one point in time on market cap bigger than Ford GM. Yeah. So, I mean, we argued that with Tesla at one point in time, too, and we were obviously wrong. We didn't consider, you know, that Tesla was obviously going to get as big a player as it was five years ago and that they didn't have any marketing costs. And their margins were 10 times bigger than Ford and GM. So we didn't consider any of that. I mean, Tesla's just done everything right. But they're not all Tesla. So, yeah. you know, I have a I small bet. I mean, but even Fisker. Tesla's not doing good, right? Yeah, but it has, though. Let's, you know, be honest here. Even though it's not doing well in the last year, it's been an unbelievable performer, and mm-hmm. I missed the Tesla run-up, so I'm not going to take credit for the Tesla sell-off recently. Um, I just haven't really participated. I tr- day trade all the time, uh, but from a long-term perspective, it's never touched the long-term portfolio just because valuation. Again, you got to care about valuation 2022. You're thinking these stocks, oh, Lucid was 50 bucks. It's five. How can I go wrong? Or Lucid is $60. It's $8. How can I go wrong? You know how you go wrong is that $8 stock, stocks go from 60 to 8 they go to 4 Stock goes from $8 to $4. Fun with math, you lose half your money. So don't start thinking, oh, it's going to go back to 60 Think about, like, the trend, not your friend here. You know, uh, there's just so many, you know, traders out there, momentum traders, like Christian Frommer, so many good traders. They don't touch any of this stuff. The reason Christian Frommer makes money every year is because he doesn't buy any of this stuff. That's just these hard downtrends here. Just such a smart trader. So there's so many traders like that. you got to stop coming in and trying to be the hero and saying, this is going to be the turnaround story here. Turnaround stories are hard to do. Right now, it's value on dips, and it's selling um, you know, the growth on rips. Now, again, CPI tomorrow. We get a light number. You could fully see you know, the, the, the trade. You could fully see the growth trade come back on. I don't know if it lasts, but you could see it come back on for maybe until the end of the year. Everything depends on CPI tomorrow. Nope. Everything's going to depend on that. Rivian, I just want to give uh, levels really quickly. Hourly levels, you can clearly see them. Uh, they're standing out there. Uh, see if you get back to kind of that kind of candle where it closed yesterday on Friday. You got the close at 2730. Uh, see if you can get back above that. But on the downside, you got clear support around 26. So you got 2596, 2590. So if the 2590 area goes, so would I. Uh, be careful there with those uh, Rivian stock. We'll see what happens. 
after no longer pursuing the agreement it made with Mercedes-Benz. Let's keep going. Let's get into some of these ratings. There's a lot out there. In a few minutes, we'll be getting, of course, into Market Structure Edge. So stay tuned for that. Market Structure Monday is coming up. But let's go to some of these earnings and uh, ratings. Yeah. Uh, the ratings right now, one that uh, Dennis caught is definitely that RH, Restoration Hardware. Let's talk about that. Goldman Sachs coming in and downgrading it to a sell with a price target of 215 I like this rating uh, for the simple reason. It's not a crazy... So, but but okay, let's let's bring the Goldman rating into context too. As Goldman also said um, over the weekend here, they feel like the S&P could fall twenty percent during a recession. Um, I think the same thing. I think if we go into a recession, I, and I think, and that's the reason I still stay with a lot of cash. You know, obviously CPI data could change everybody's opinion tomorrow, but you know, I still think you know that from a short-term perspective. But I still think from a long-term perspective, I just don't see a soft landing. So I believe we're going into recession. I agree with Goldman. Do we fall 20%? It's possible. It's possible. So now you start looking. Let's go into you know little details here. What's the P on our H? First of all, it's not a cheap stock. It never has been a cheap stock. But everything they sell is expensive. It's high end. So the rich people are still going to buy that kind of stuff. It's a matter of the mid-class that has been paying up to buy that kind of stuff. Are they going to continue to do it? It's actually not that bad. It's only a 13 PE. So yeah. you could say it's a value stock, but it's what they sell that scares me. It's very high-end stuff. You go in there, $4,000 couch, $1,000 vase. It's high-end stuff. So again, the rich people always buy that stuff. It's a matter of can the mid-class, which has been buying that stuff, still afford to buy it next year? I'm not sure. So that's where I'm concerned if we go into recession. I think they do uh, lose some sales for, for that reason because the mid-class won't be paying up. And that's going to harm the stock. So I kind of like this call. All right. Uh, let me just throw up the banner there. Sorry for uh, having the wrong banner there. But there, you, there's the RH banner. Um, one stock to definitely keep in mind in the similar industry, right? Similar stock is WSM, right? Is this kind of more of a they stock? They move together. Mm-hmm. Is I this more up your alley? Because uh, this is lower PE. Maybe this one's a little bit more favorable in low this PE. environment. So I should yeah. correct myself. RH has a low PE too. It's what they sell that concerns me a bit. So again, we, uh, the rich are always, I'm just going to repeat myself, you know, and I know I repeat myself a lot on the show, but I'm trying to repeat and make a point because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you got to hear it more than once. Yeah. You know, the rich people are still going to buy, you know, their high-end stuff. It's the mid-class that for the last decade, or at least the last few years we've been printing money, especially since COVID, it's the mid-class has been paying up for everything. They're, they're paying in a class they maybe shouldn't have been. So you go into your Williams Sonoma, we can afford a five thousand dollar couch. You know, we're making money in our crypto. We're doing well. Let's buy the ten thousand dollar couch. Williams Sonoma RH sell very high end stuff. They will have those high end customers still, but if they lose that middle class, those sales and those PEs may not be as cheap as you think they are. So that's why I'm concerned. I think that's the reason these stocks have really been beat up, and that's why these stocks have both been value traps. All right. Now, one thing I would say on RH, I'll be looking for kind of an inside candle yesterday or Friday's high being 280, low 251. Let's see if we stay between there. I'd look for around maybe 260s to hold. Eventually, we'll see what happens with this one. I think this is going to be a stock that will probably move a lot when we get our CPI tomorrow. So if we could get an inside day, maybe somehow get a spike because of CPI, this would be one that's on my radar. Needs to get back above 280s going to 300. 
We'll see what happens. Frustration yeah. hardware. Just remember on Williams-Sonoma 2 that it does pair up. So if RH is having a bad day, don't be surprised if Williams-Sonoma has a little bit of a rougher day yeah. too. Even though it's a rating and not an earnings, there's still pair traders out there like RH is going down here. I'm going to short some Williams-Sonoma. So just be careful there on WSM today with RH so weak. So it's a good call by you to bring that one up, Mitch. Yeah, perfect. Let's get towards another one here. Uh, this was going to be another Goldman Sachs uh, upgrade. And this one's actually coming on Best Buy. I think they're a little late to the party. That's just my personal opinion. But let's get to Best Buy's chart here. Uh, they're putting Best Buy to neutral and raising the price target to 83. So in that case, you know, it's just slightly above the levels right now. We did see Best Buy continue that kind of push since kind of, I would say, the Black Friday kind of push, their earnings push also, the 22nd. Is this kind of more of a rip to sell now as it's been pretty far from that kind of bottoming action? Well, you know, it's going to depend on the CPI data tomorrow too, but the stock again is, um, you know, retail. So I do think if we go into recession, it suffers, but it's not high-end retail. I mean, people still buy their computers and stuff. They go in there, they're buying, you know, and Christmas season is coming, so seasonality plays in the favor here. I think if the CPI data is, is light tomorrow, I think the stock could, you know, take up the highs of the move for sure, but that's obviously easy to, easy to say, but, you know, we don't know what the CPI data is going to be. Um, I don't mind it, though. You've had a move up. It is a value stock. It's got a lower P. It's got a 4.28% dividend here. It's not that high, high-end stuff that's really going to get dinged hard. I... I kind of don't mind the call, but again, it so much depends on CPI. I'm not coming in here. So today, I'm not buying anything in my long-term portfolio. I'm not shorting anything in my long-term portfolio. I'm just kind of staying, in, from a trading perspective, staying market neutral because all these individual calls we make today are meaningless tomorrow at 8.30 yeah. because all that's going to matter is that CPI number. We're going to go up 100 points. We're going to go down 100 points tomorrow, unless it comes in line and then it's just going to chop because people don't know. But if it's definitively light or definitively hot, it's going to be a significant move in one way or another. And I'm going to be going with that move. So you won't see me at 8.30. You're going to have to hopefully you're going to get another guest on there because I know Joel's going to be away from us. For <laughs> because I will not be on this show at 8.28 to about probably 8.50 tomorrow. Because it's going to be, I'm going to be, if it's light, I'm going to be buying the hell out of stocks. If it's hot, I'm going to be shorting the hell out of stocks. So that's from a trading perspective. So everything matters tomorrow at 8.30. That it is. And it's going to be definitely important. I wanted to kind of give a little perspective there. I did see in the chat, uh, people are asking, uh, what do they see as the estimate there? Of course, uh, the month over month estimate right now is at 0.3. And so that's one area to keep in mind. Uh, we'll see what happens if that comes in hot or not. Remember prior was 0.4 on the month to month reading. So what, we're what about to come uh, down seven? Just saying year over year numbers. So where are we looking there? I thought I saw like a seven point three because that's the number that I follow a little more closely too. I'm not throwing you under the yeah. bus. Yeah, you don't have that in front of you. Yeah, I don't have it right now. The year over year number in front of me. I, I thought I saw like a seven point. I know prior is seven point seven. I'm not going to say it was seven point three unless I have yeah, I'm confirmation. Guessing. But Warwick I'm sure the chat will jump in there. I thought I saw it go by on my Twitter feed seven point three. So that's a number that I kind of could be seven point three. It is 7.3? Yeah, I'm trying to confirm it here. But uh, yeah, 7.3 is what I'm saying right now. Yeah. So, I mean, you come in at 7.1, even 7.2, they'd be like, we're beating inflation. It comes in 7.7, 7.8. Yeah. We're losing 100 S&P handles. Like, the algos are going to go slam. This is an easy one for the algos, and they're going to make some money on this one tomorrow, but this is basically an easy one for them. 
it's hot or not. If it comes in line, the algorithms will be like, yeah, we just sent that sit on there. But it comes definitively hot or definitively not, it's going to be a significant uh, move in one direction. Uh, I'm going to lean on one side here. I'm going to go leaning on the hot side just because we oh, did gosh. get a spike in oil. And that's why I think that, because I think the, the consensus was taken when oil was near 90. And if that happened, well, then oil was up about, I think it was about $15 from where we took that last month reading. Um, so just just kind of stating it at that, right? I know that we got that spike in the futures where it went to 90. It was quickly and short-lived uh, when it was up above 90. But I'm just going to say that that's why I think we could get a little bit of a spike. Is it is it something that I expect to show up in the following month, let's say in January? No, I would not expect to see that. But just something to keep in mind. Let's keep moving. Let's go to another rating. We'll keep watch, of course, CPI. That will be the big talk on the yeah. the day tomorrow and will be the biggest focus. Even if we put some headlines tomorrow, as soon as we get that CPI, they all go out the window. All right, let's go to some more analyst ratings out there. I'm going to go to a Wells Fargo here. Uh, let's go to Qualcomm as their Wells Fargo getting down downgrading Qualcomm to underweight and announcing a 105 price target. Uh, this is one that I would say uh, has held on for a long time. And now with this downgrade, I'm even heading out the door, could be heading towards those lows from November uh, 3rd. Value stock, again, depends on the CPI data. Everything just depends on that tomorrow. 100 is huge on this thing. I do have it in the long-term portfolio. I bought it back from Sean Udall back at 60 i sold half of it when it doubled at like 120 because now i'm completely playing with the house's money forever um it's it went in 180 and i was regretting that now it's back to 119 i mean this thing comes back down under 100 dollars. there's value here at qualcomm so i mean i i I think it's value even at these prices but again i'm not positioning myself and buying stocks ahead of the cpi data because i need to know that data so we're going to talk about that a lot here um but the downgrade here maybe brings us back down a bit Again, all depends on the CPI data more, though. Yeah, we'll see if it comes back and fills this little. It's a, it's way back there. It's from 2020, but there is a gap there uh, from a low of 170 uh, down towards a high there of 93.62. So that's kind of levels that I would give if we broke through that November low. Right now, I'd be looking for the pullback from that. One thing also to state is that you could clearly see that it was trying to get up here towards the 127 area, rejected there three times, pulled back to the support. This is when we were expecting to maybe get that lift through that on the on the next up move, and it rejected that move, breaking through support. So see if that starts acting as resistance sure. levels like uh, 117.76, or maybe you're looking at 118 to start acting as resistance. Just levels to watch for on Qualcomm. We'll see if that starts getting hit further. Right now, it's down towards 115.79. Let's get towards JP Morgan's upgrade on Monday.com to overweight, raising the price target to 140. What do you feel about Monday? All these analysts have a lot of guts. Yeah, this one's a little brave. Upgrading downgrades a day ahead of the CPI data. They have a lot of guts doing this because, like I said, this is going to be a 100 point move potentially in one direction or the other in about 10 minutes. If I was an analyst, I would have held all these reports until after the CPI. But I guess they're trying to get ahead of it. And I guess, you know, the ones that put buys on that we're going to all say they're heroes. And they never really call out the ones. So I guess, you know, I guess they, you know, they're trying to be heroes here ahead of the report. Maybe that's why they're trying to get them out there ahead of the report. But none of these matter. None of these calls matter at all. 
with the CPI data coming. You know, Mondays could rally 10 bucks today. That CPI data comes in hot tomorrow. Give back 10 immediately. So it's really hard to position yourself ahead of this, like what directional bets. Unless you know, unless you have it in front of you, maybe, you know, there's some Fed officials. I don't know, but I just can't understand why you're taking big positions ahead of the CPI data. This one's a hard one here. Uh, Monday.com has been kind of going sideways since I would say pretty much since uh, May or actually that's June of 22. Well, let's um, talk about why that is. You get stocks that are ridiculously overvalued. Then you get, you know, the hard sell from 400 to 100. Yeah. Stocks don't go straight down. They consolidate. You know, you have a battle between the bulls and the bears, which is raging right now. CPI data is going to probably predict who is going to win when we get that data. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, you get those moves in consolidation period. Then you usually have a, you usually, if you just do a technical analysis, a continuation of the previous move. So, I mean, you go through all that and you start thinking, okay, well, in that case, then, you know, the move is probably lower here. The stock is overvalued. I think there's better and safer places for your money. We'll see if it can get through this Monday high, November 14th high, one sixteen. I like the pun you just did there, the Monday high. <laughs> The Monday high from like, Monday.com. Like we'll have to wait and see. And, of course, um, what is there to take a look at now? And how do you feel about certain areas? Let's go towards certain sectors and industry outlook now. Of course, if you guys got stocks that are on your radar, you can also throw them up in the chat. I wanted to take a look at how you feel about healthcare. It did get hit on Friday, but is that kind of more a dip to buy? One thing to state, and this is just my overall index, my overall index is finally flipping back to what they call the golden cross because everyone loves to talk about Ooh, the death cross. Crosses. Well, this is the golden cross when the 50 moves back above the 200 day. And remember, the two the death cross did happen on this one in December. Now we're getting the bullish move and the bullish golden cross on healthcare. How do you feel about healthcare, Dennis? I, I, I feel good about healthcare. I mean, this has been the place to be. I mean, the stocks all have low PEs. If we do go into a recession, they're going to hold up better because in a recession, people still buy their drugs. I do think, I do think they've overbought, like a Merck from 85 to 110. I'd love Merck to come back to 100 bucks. I would love Gilead to come back to 80 bucks. I would love Lilly to come back to 340 bucks. I would love, you know, a nice pullback, like more than one day in these things, but you can't get more than one day because all the money managers are thinking the same thing I am. You know, if we are going to a recession, these stocks are going to be the places to be safer. So the, the P's are lower. We like that. They're not recession-proof, but they're going to do better in a recession for sure. I think, you know, this is the place to be still. So, yeah, I like all the drug stocks. Now, I'll have to keep watch to see what happens on these. Now, Amgen, we did take a look at this morning because that one was pulling back. I remember that that was a nice little setup. This might lead a little bit in some of the biotechs. We'll see what happens on biotechs. Uh, Moderna has been making a, a nice move in uh, kind of biotechs. What do you think about Moderna's chart? Um, I like Moderna, but the problem is so re- is so much the COVID vaccines. I think it's a great run company. Obviously, it was the winner between them and Novavax. Um, the PE is attractive, but again, I don't think everybody's going to get a shot every four months or six months. You know, people like I, you know, I was rah, rah shots, boosters, you know, two years ago or a year ago. And I, I don't know if I'm going to get another one now. I don't know if they're doing anything. Maybe I should. Maybe that's why I can't get rid of the COVID. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe, maybe you if should, I go Dennis. get my booster, my fourth <laughs> booster, because I, I, I have both shots. 
Then I got the booster. And then I think I got another one. I think yeah, maybe you need it, my friend. Now. Maybe if you go get the fifth one, maybe this nasal congestion will go away. But I just look, you know, I see a couple of buddies that didn't get any of the shots. They get COVID and they get it over it pretty easy too. I just don't think it made a hell of a lot of difference. Just my opinion, but I don't think it made a hell of a lot of difference. I think some people are noticing that now. I think it's going to be less people getting those shots in the future. My parents were getting all the shots and they was like, they're done getting shots, they said. So I don't know. I think some people are done getting the, the COVID booster shots. And that's not going to be good news for them if less people are getting those shots in the future. All right. For Moderna, we'll be watching a setup. If it can get back above Friday's high and Thursday's high, Thursday's high being 185.21, Friday's 185.41. If we can get up there towards 185.50 in this week, I won't be looking too bad on Moderna. Also, just noting a golden cross happening there on Moderna. Also, uh, so that one crosses. Yeah, I don't. Right I don't bring sector. them up. I don't bring them up often. But in in a bear market, you kind of got to notice these because there's not many stocks that have first price action above the 200 day, then price action above the 50 day, and the trend starting to show you yeah. that the 50 day is going up. The nine is sticking really close to the price action. The nine EMA. A lot of uh, traders are going to use the MACD and they focus on the 90 MA because it's the fast trigger line. Um, and of course, what does this show us? Overall price action on Moderna right now is actually more bullish than most people think in the bear environment. This is one of the strongest stocks right now. Moderna is starting to push back up. We'll see what happens in Moderna. That's a good guess news. What? I think there's better drug stocks. I'll say that. I like all drug stocks right now, so I'm not going to go bearish on Moderna because I think it's in the right sector. I just, mm-hmm. again, the argument being I just don't know if those earnings are sustainable if less people are getting COVID shots in the future. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But definitely, as we saw in healthcare and the index, that's what I wanted to show. Overall, that's one of the strongest sectors, and we'll have to keep watch to see if certain industries stay strong. But you know what time it is. It's a time when we go ahead and take a look at what's strong and what isn't strong by using simple supply and demand. Of course, we might need some market structure Mondays for that. All right, let's go on, Tim. And he has Let's go, Santa Claus. Coming to town. <laughs> He's got the Christmas tree out. He's ready to go it's, here. Uh, tis the season. Well, yes. and uh, Mitch, you don't even need me. You can cover market structure. <laughs> it's a yes, simple that's supply, and supply and demand. Well done. Happy that's Monday to you guys. Nice to see you. Got to keep it simple sometimes, you that's know. Right. And that's right. Uh, especially when you have things like the futures just <clears throat> just being difficult to read, right? Like even today, I saw comments in the chat from our chat members. They're smart. They're looking at it. They're saying futures are up this much, but the spy is yep. only up this much. What's going on, Tim? Well, I think it's one of the things that has stood out to me anyway in 2022. It's how unreliable uh, the futures signals have become in the market. You could have futures up uh, handily before the open and the market finishes down and vice versa. And why, why do these things occur? So <clears throat> here's the this is your Monday market structure lesson, uh, traders, if you're not aware of this. But the what occurs in the futures market, number one, <clears throat> this pardon me. It's uh, wintertime uh, in, in Steamboat, which is, you know, there are two times a year that that Coloradans grow a beard, summer and winter. 
That's it. Or, a, no, or all year long for me. But. Same thing in Ontario. We grow <laughs> our Ontario beards, and we all have so, coughs, and we all have congestion for the rest so, of the yeah, life. So, yeah, I see it. It, I skied for the first time this season yesterday in you know fabulous conditions. I will not lose my train of thought there. We have, we've had nine feet of snow in, in the steamboat. So very solid four-foot base, fabulous nice. December conditions. Uh, but don't tell anyone because that's how the mountain gets crowded. Okay? So that's just that's just, just our little everyone. secret. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, back to, now, <laughs> so back to the, the futures, why they're not a reliable indicator. There are two things to know about them traders. Number one, the rules that apply during market hours don't apply pre-market. It's not a reg NMS market where everything has to trade at a, a single national best price. So realize that. And then number two, the signals coming from futures are occurring in markets operated by brokers, serving brokers customers. And those tend to be Big institutions, particularly hedge funds, who are using baskets of futures, they could trade a basket of stocks for futures uh, to bet directionally, but it may be it may, all the bets may pay outside market hours. And so realize that is why the futures market isn't a great signal. And also know this, it's something that, Dennis, that you have long talked about, uh, about the way that the market works today. Realize that the prices that you see for stocks represent only you know, 60%, maybe 50% at times of the prices. There are displayed markets, uh, the stock exchanges, and there are 17 of those. And so the prices you see for a stock, if you're looking at Moderna, you were just talking yeah. about Moderna, yeah. and you look at the bid and the offer, those prices are coming from exchanges, stock exchanges. But over 40% of trading in, in Moderna occurs in markets, dark pools, they're called, operated by brokers where you don't see the prices. So at any given point, you're only seeing half the prices. Mm. Just realize that those conditions exist, which is why we do what we do. You know, the reason that we we created Market Structure Edge is to, to take away the, the, uh, the deceptive nature of prices and put the focus on supply and demand. <clears throat> and they're not perfect signals, but they're a very good indicator of what may occur. And if you take your attention away from what's happening in in uh, you know a, a minute at a time where you're at a distinct disadvantage to machines that have better pricing information they're situated right next to the servers of the exchanges and you put your time frame a little further out where the supply demand equation can and can uh, produce what it indicates you have a better opportunity and i just you realize i'm biased because i think market structure is a very important ingredient and it's very simple to understand but that's what's going on and so you can't trust what the futures market indicates. And let's, and I'm not, I don't want to go into the long of all that. So, cause that would be a long conversation. I, I here, had so. a feeling. Uh... I, I was thinking about <laughs> yeah. taking it there and going in. I could complain with, with I'm right along agreeing with Tim here, you know, with the 45% of trades going off exchange and the yeah. equity markets going dark and we're pricing not as efficiently as we did at one time, but that's for a longer conversation on 840 Monday morning. I do want right. to jump in. <laughs> Two specific stocks, though, because we've got, you know, CPI coming tomorrow. How, first of all, are you positioning going into the CPI? Because it's going to change everything. And then, uh, two, are there any sectors here you're looking at stronger, weaker there, Tim? Well, and, and it's, uh, there are multiple things happening this week, traders. And, and it's, very, you know, it's important to know. 
That's what we call the calendar and cadence of the market. You should know what's going on uh, in the stock market. So you got that. You've got inflation data. It's clearly been something that uh, that that particularly, I will just I hate to blame hedge funds. They're just ones better able to to take advantage of these betting opportunities. Clearly, they have been betting on those. And so that's a factor. Uh, we have a, a Fed rate decision, which which may be less important than what Jay Powell says. And that that by itself is unfortunate. And it's, a, you know, that's a, a separate topic, too. Why are there boom and bust cycles economically and can we predict them and then finally starting thursday thursday friday are options expirations the last set for the year and they're and they're split into this is very unusual in december for this to occur most of the time uh the three major expirations events all occur in the same week in december there are index futures that expire uh, there are VIX instruments that expire, all volatility as an asset class. And then you have what's called a triple or quad, which index and stock futures and options expiring. So all of that is occurring this week. Now, maybe it means nothing, uh, but it is, a, it, it is a packed calendar. And those are fraught conditions because things stocks behave in ways that you don't anticipate because there are factors that you can't see that are causing prices to behave the way that they do. So, I, you know, what's going to happen? I, let's, I've got Moderna on my screen here mm-hmm. just because you were talking about sure. it. And, and yeah. I thought and it will be a good lead in to talking about supply and demand in the broad market. Here's why Moderna has done well. But I want to point something out. So here's demand. Demand it, until very near the end of, of uh, November was 10 out of 10 slamming against the ceiling. You have excess demand. Prices tend to perform well. I think it's important to note that right at November expirations, this is where supply jumped above the trend. And that's the end of all the great returns in Moderna. I'm not saying they won't happen again. I'm just saying that if you had left right at options expirations, there was no further gain to be had in Moderna. Now, this is, this is a bullish signal to your point, Mitch. I think you did a very good job at the technicals of explaining, well, the technical indicators show some possibility of upside. From a market structure standpoint, you have falling supply and stable demand. Those are the kind of situations or stocks that can do better than the broad market in tumultuous conditions. You do want to have stable demand and falling supply. It's a different kind of trade than a momentum trade. When all of the factors, when supply and demand in the market are moving in your direction, traders, you can pursue uh, momentum. And that's very easy to isolate mathematically so that you can find the things that are likely to perform well. When those conditions deteriorate, then you want to move to what we call big and stable kinds of stocks. And here's where the market is. It's, it's, to me, it's very much like that. We have Here's, this is the S&P 500 juxtaposed with the price for SPY. And so the green part of the graph is what's most important here. And it's right at the red line. It's been at or above the red line since the end of October. That is one of the longest stretches we've ever tracked. And it's, in, and it's why the market has had little ability to give us a signal directionally. It ha- it's not materially different in price from what it was October 28th. Uh, SPY was at, let's call it 390. That'd be the S&P 500 is at 3,900. So where is it now? Well, it's at 
393. So about 3,900. When, when there is an increasing demand to push momentum into the market, the market isn't going to be able to rise. Now look at the supply side. The supply side's here. It's not bad, but it's way above trend. Yeah. So if you looked at this, you would not say this is a bullish setup into these. And look, it can change. If yeah. all of a sudden the supply side drops, conditions are could be different. But generally speaking, these are not the kind of conditions that produce momentum. They tend to produce potholes, something that you suddenly step into. And so yeah. I will be very, very, very cautious this week. Could be potholes or could be like we've been referring to them, tape bombs, right, coming in. <laughs> right. And um, right. that could be definitely in the horizon now, of course, as we're heading closer and closer to the op op option expirations. What is some similar kind of price action that maybe we should be looking for to give us some signals, Tim? Well, so uh, I, I, again, well, I will look for big and stable stocks. So if you look at this okay. Benzinga December 12, that's today. Look at this. This is very stable five. I want 5.0 demand and falling supply. Those are okay. the conditions if I'm going to own something that I will own, like Evergy. I'm, I highlighted, there were, I'll, I'll tell you the good and the bad. When you and I talked last week, I said, Evergy, a big and stable stock, is a great place to be. I made thousands of dollars this last week on Evergy, and I sold it Friday because I can always buy it again today. You would say, well, uh, why would I sell it if it's going to continue to go up? Because you don't know what's going to happen over a weekend. Just right, do what sure. the machines do, right? It doesn't matter what you pay so long as when you sell it, it's at a better price, whichever direction you're going. So these three stocks, to me, manifest the characteristics of big and stable. And that's EVRG, continues to be a great stock, uh, Cortiva, CTVA, and Electronic Arts, believe it or not. And there could be deal reasons for EA to be like that. But all three of those, looking at supply and demand, tell me these stocks are probably where uh, bigger institutions will concentrate their money in case it's volatile through all these things that are happening. And that's what market structure can do for you. It will tell you when you should shift from momentum to big and stable. And here's how you know. my These alpha portfolios look for momentum. So five days ago, there were, I kid you not, 40 of them. Now there are eight. Well, wow. I know that the market has all the momentum opportunity has vanished. It's not the thing to try to pursue. Well, that's how you, produce, you improve your outcomes, folks. You take the probabilities and be disciplined and follow them. Don't take chances. I like to say take gains, not chances. And the data will tell you what you should be doing. Tim, uh, a couple of ones from the chat here. Somebody okay. wanted you to do mm -hmm. Lululemon. It really got beat up here last week. Yes, um, it did. Obviously, the earnings, you know, the stock had some momentum. The earnings just took all that <laughs> momentum away. Higher P stuff when it misses earnings or disappoints on guides really seems to get hit. Some people obviously coming in here looking at, you know, this and saying, hey, I think, uh, you know, this is a, a good dip to buy here. What are your thoughts on Lululemon? Well, I think it was a big surprise how the stock behaved because the setup ahead of earnings from a market structure standpoint, purely if we're looking at supply and demand, what would you say the stock's likely to do? Well, demand had peaked and begun to fall, but the supply side was pretty attractive. You would look at that and say, uh, the, there are bets both directions. Um, <clears throat> so what's the stock likely to do? The, the declining demand is not likely to produce a gain. 
but it's also not telling us that people were expecting the stock to plunge. Would I own that stock, that condition ahead of results? No. I would much prefer to buy this kind of condition, rising demand, falling supply. So we had steady supply, but falling demand the day before earnings. You're going to be able to see that. You're going to know, traders. And if you see that, but ahead of results, sell the stock. As it doesn't matter what they report, there's the, the probability of additional gains are small. But would this have told us that it was going to get clocked? No. It's the, pro the problem with derivatives. Derivatives play such a, an important role. About 20% of Lululemon's market cap ties to derivatives. It can lose that much. And right now, should you buy it? No. When you want to buy it is when supply and demand are diverging again. And I would add one piece to that. But when it's above five. I, in fact, I prefer to buy Lululemon or any stock that has momentum characteristics right about when it hits 10 and supply falls. Those conditions will produce gains. It's a very, very consistently true. I mean, it's over 90% of the time that will produce short-term returns. If you don't see those conditions, be wary. All right. Uh, one more from the stock that's interesting. Uh, Paint Paint is asking about ENPH, and this could be a look into the solar stocks. They've been really strong lately, got a little bit of a battle last week. What do you feel about a stock like ENPH? Let's see what the data is telling us. Well, Paint, this has been a great stock to trade over the last year, and I have traded it numerous times, always on, always on. The demand that hits 10 and supply that declines. I love the day-over-day -day decline in supply in, in a stock like Enphase, which is very liquid. I like liquid stocks. That is stocks that trade more than $4,000 at a time. And Enphase is one of those. Right now, it continues to be fine. You know, it's it's got stable demand at five, supply that's beginning to rise, but below trend. It's I Would I buy that? Eh, it's pretty high. You know, so that 50, call it 50, Almost 60% of the trading volume is coming from borrowed stock. Uh, so while it's fine, you could stay in it. These are not the conditions I would necessarily buy because Enphase isn't a big and stable stock. It is really a momentum trade. I would be patient and wait for a better opportunity. This is what you want. When you see screaming demand, demand hits 10, and particularly if supply falls, that's when you want to buy Enphase. Something definitely to keep watch. We'll see what happens in Enphase. Uh, just to take a quick peek, what about First Solar? Uh, Another great, yes. <laughs> yeah, because they, they've been kind of battling. I always say that EMPH is kind of more the leader in the sector, but with the recent momentum, I feel like First Solar is definitely leading a lot of the sentiment in solar. And it's been, we've highlighted FSLR. Here's a classic opportunity where demand hits 10, supply falls. You're very likely to produce gains. And, and even if the stock falls, by the way, don't worry about that. If you see supply and demand, demand's at 10 and supply is falling and you say, oh, I'm down 6%. What am I going to do? Don't panic. If those conditions remain true, there is a very, very high probability that you will have a profitable trade. But when it goes up, so if you have this falling uh, supply and the and demand's right at 10 and the stock goes up, take those gains. You want to be out before the demand starts to fall because the, the, then the conditions have deteriorated. So again, not the time to, to own First Solar. You want to own when there's screaming demand all across here. This is a really good time to own FSLR. Now those conditions have changed. Let's wait to the other side of options expirations. All right. Like always, you guys can check out these stocks yourself, right? Why don't you just get your 30-day free trial? I throw up the link in the description below. You can go ahead and click on it and check out market structure yourself.
And you or, can get a, a Benzinga discount. I think it's yeah. 30 or $40 off the, the month, which is a whale of a deal. It's the only deal like that. And you, if you use Benzinga as your, as your promo code, that'll get you that deal. Well, thank you. Like always, Tim Quas, founder, CEO, Modern IR and Market Structure Edge. Have a great one. Enjoy that fluff out there. Have a great week, you guys. Good to see you. Thank you. Take care, Tim. All right. There you guys have it. Let's take a peek into the market. How do you see the markets right now? Uh, Dennis, do you see any leaking? What do you feel? Just setting. It's not doing much here. Again, I expect a lot of chop today. I expect a lot of positioning ahead of tomorrow's CPI data. I'll be doing the same, looking over my, you know, trades. I'll make sure I'm hedged going into it because I don't have sometimes you gotta feel I think it's gonna be light. I'm gonna lean one way or another. I don't have any feel for this one. So I'm literally going to be market neutral going into this. No swing trades on, just market neutral. And then letting the 8.30 number dictate my next course of action. Again, if we are really hot, or if we're or if we even slightly hot, I should say, I do think you'll have a significant sell-off. But if we come in light, we come in with a 7.2, 7.1, a 7, I mean, this market could really go for a rip. So I think you're going with the move. You know, a lot of times, sometimes you get these fake-outs. And again, if it comes in line, then there's no trade. It comes in at 7.3 tomorrow, I'll be like, Okay, sit back. It's going to chop around here, but there's no clear direction. Comes in at 7.1. I think the clear direction is, okay, green light, go. Let's start thinking about S&P, you know, 420 here again by the end of the year. It comes in at 7.5. We start thinking the exact opposite. So this is, we say it every month, but this CPI data is now more important than even last month's CPI data. We're kind of cool coming into it. We pulled off a little bit. We we came off those highs. We're in consolidation station the last three or four days. So, you know, that can help as well. But, you know, to, to just say, oh, yeah, well, they're not expecting, you know, they're kind of expecting it. And then it came in light. I think it's all about the number. It's actually just about the number in this case, not about expectations. So 7.3 is your number. Comes in light. They're buying stocks. Comes in hot. They're selling stocks. We'll see what happens. A big important number for me is Thursday's November 17th low, 390.14. Definitely wouldn't want to see 390s break uh, today, but we'll see what happens if we'll get some big movement or not. Uh, that's just going to have to be wait and see, right? Of course, uh, a lot of traders might be on the sideline waiting for that CPI number, and there could be some day traders trying to jump on the momentum. Yeah. All right, let's get some stocks in the chat. Uh, the chat, I'm doing a little ticker time action here. Let's take a stock or two from the chat. If you see anything that stands out to you, Dennis, we can definitely go over it. Um, seeing the chat, really quick one, maybe just easy to cover. It's Amazon. Um, Amazon's been really weak lately, and I would wait for the trend to change. But it's up wow. to you if you feel this is an opportunity or not. Half size position in my wife's long term portfolio, and it's not good. Went in at 110. Obviously, we know I sold, you know what, out of her portfolio at, at Amazon. It was 3,200 at the time. I re went in as, as basically equivalent of like 2,100. Figured I scalped myself, you know, a thousand basically points for this talking pre split. Um, you know, and now it's just continued to go lower here. Valuation matters. It's still got the higher PE, they're selling higher PE stuff. When the stock was when the stocks were all rallying, this one really it did rally in November, but then it quickly gave a lot of it back. It's just not the place to be for the simple reasons the PE is higher. Again, everything could change tomorrow at eight thirty. You know, we come in light. They'll buy stocks like Amazon. They're going to buy these beat up ones. But right now, other things being equal, not knowing the CPI data, 
even though I've got a half size position in the long term portfolio, and I do think 10 years from now you'll be happy with Amazon. I think next year we're going to recession. It could be still a little bit of trouble ahead. The PE is too high. All right. This is definitely a stock that I wouldn't be battling. I don't. I want to be, uh, I understand that, you know, and I don't think anybody thinks that Amazon's going out of business here, but it's too close to, at least in my eyes, those daily lows where it could just cut through. There's no momentum. Yeah, there's no yeah. momentum really. No. You're just as a trade, I would it. not be long this thing at all. The only reason I'm yeah. long is I had Amazon forever, and I sold it phenomenally. And I was like, well, I'm going to put it back in half of it because, you know, you got to be the one thing you got to consider if you're a long-term investor. And again, as a trader, you can be short stocks. You can do whatever you want. As a trader, you have a huge advantage. You can get in and out. We're small. The big edge with day trading is that we can get in and out easily. You know, as a longer-term investor, it's a different story. You know, you're trying to build companies for wealth. And people say, well, why don't you just day trade all your long-term investment portfolio? Why don't you just day trade it all? And the difference is, is that long-term investment portfolio, I'm not working that money. So I'm just sitting it over there. It's passive income. So I'm working this money. I can't just pool it all, you know, and then, okay, well, we'll allocate some here to long-term investing. When I mix the long-term investing with the day trading, my long-term investments all just become trades. So I try to separate it. I've tried that for a long time. I try to wear the two hats. And over time, you know, I've been long-term investing for 20 years. Over time, that long-term invest portfolio has done pretty well. That's been extra money on top of my trading. So, you know, the, so that's the difference. And the reason, main reason was I never needed capital was at break trading for 22 years either. So I had basically unlimited capital, you know, so I didn't need all the extra capital. So what do you do with the money you're making? You're investing it and you're trying to do different things. But investing and trading are two different animals. And obviously in 2022, the, the day trading has just massively outperformed the long-term investing. Uh, and I won't get into too much of that. I was just thinking about what would you do nowadays, especially with the alternative out there with treasury yields that where they're at. But let's Big, get into yeah, uh, no, a different no, outlook. No, that's a good conversation. We've said this already. Yeah. You know, I just tied up some money. I get 5.1%. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I only went out, if, you know, I, I, you got to go out a year to get the 5.1%, but I always want a cash portion. You always want yeah. some dry powder. You know, part of me thinks if we're going to, if I really, really, you know, was just analyzing it and saying, I do think we go into a recession next year, you should sell all of your stocks and just tie it up at 5.1%. Then you're actually going, you know where you'd be, you know, so, so you know, let's just say hypothetically at $100,000. Well, yeah. you know, you're going to make, you know, your hundred thousand you're gonna make fifty one hundred bucks here on every hundred thousand dollars that you got and you know you know where you're gonna be about a hundred five thousand a year from now so it's not a bad call if you think you're going into recession the question yeah. is what if i'm wrong what if we're not going to recession what if the fed throws in the towel what if the fed you know just starts or they start changing the data what if cpi just comes in a little bit and they're like well this is good enough well then the stocks could go for a ripper without you though so, I yeah. mean, you got to have some in stocks to hedge yourself just in case you're wrong. I'm sitting with 50% cash in my long-term portfolio. Fives are not 15, 50. And I'm probably 20 years, at least 10 years away from retirement, probably 20 years away. People would say I'm an idiot for having that much cash in my portfolio. But I still, you know, am I an idiot for having 50% six months ago, a year ago? My portfolio has held up well for the simple yeah. reason it wasn't in good stocks, a long-term portfolio. It just had a lot of cash that held and buffered it. So I don't feel like I'm at that green light go here yet. Maybe tomorrow's data will change my mind, but I still feel like soft landing is not in the equation. I've said this on the show. It's why I still hold at least half cash in that long-term portfolio. All right. Now, what about an oil stock like Oxy? 
I like Oxy. We know where Warren Buffett is buying it. So this is an interesting stock. 57 to 58, we know we got the Buffett put down there. You're at 62 here now. It's not bad. You're almost there. I sold this thing too soon on the last run. I sold it like 67 or 68. It's back down below it. I like Oxy at 58 because I think you got Buffett supporting the price there. If Oxy gets to 58, I'm going to buy it. I don't know if I want to jump too soon because if I had a 62, then it goes to 58. Like, why did I buy it at 62? Because Buffett's not coming at 62. He's coming every time. It's been in the 50s. So 55 to 58 is the Buffett buy range. You get back to the Buffett buy range again here, I think you go long. Yeah, I think that's what we'll be waiting to see. I think you, you let me know, chat, tweet at me. Everybody, come out, tell me when Oxy, because I might not know this. Tell me when it gets back to 58 bucks. I'm going to buy some. And does Disney get a Santa Claus rally? That's what we'll end off with. Uh, again, on the day. And, I, and again, with the Disney, I have a half size position on it because I, I'm 50% cash. I want to own something. I do believe mm-hmm. Disney is okay 10 years from now, but we're going in a recession. I'm not full sized because I do think we're still potentially going in a recession. So I'm the same. I'm, bro- I'm a broken record on this show right now. You know, short term, just chain the chop, buy dips, sell reps, long term, positioning myself as we're going into a recession. So I, you know, people say, "Well, where is the recession?" I think it's a delay. Yeah. I think it's coming still. So, and I think the Fed will ease. I think you know, um, I think the Fed will ease towards the end. There could be a place for bonds, though. And you know, we've talked that some of this, you know, if we do see light data, maybe you know, I just can't see the equation for soft, but it could come in light. The CPI data could come in light. Still doesn't mean we're not going to recession, though. Actually, if it comes in light, it's more indicative that the the demand is starting to slow. So, which is telling me, you know, the difference. I just don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. I think if the Fed does eventually beat inflation, we're in a recession. We'll have to wait and find out. Of course, a lot of that will be told tomorrow on that CPI report. What do we get? And then, of course, FOMC meeting, options expirations towards the end of the week. We don't got uh, a short amount of catalyst this week. If anything, be careful, team, because there could be some tape bombs out there. That can turn the markets just because you guys see a stock performing in a certain manner. Of course, remember that when the VIX gets that spike, when CPI economic data comes in certain times, all markets move in a certain direction. So just be careful out there. Just want to put the warning. Now it's time to go do what you do best. My friend, Dennis, go get after that market. We'll see you of course, tomorrow. Definitely hit the like button. If you guys appreciate the show today. Have a good one, Dennis. All right, getting Dennis out of here. We're going to start wrapping up. We'll bring you guys over to the live trading action. That's coming up next. Of course, we got Lord Ryan, Zunaid, and I as we get into the markets. Hit the thumbs up if you guys appreciated today's show. And yes, I know Joel is out. He will be back on on Thursday. He's out uh, from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But we'll be back with us on Thursday. And like always, it's the holiday time. I hope he's enjoying his time. I'm enjoying my time here. And guess what? Live trading up next. Let's get right into it. I'm excited to have a great week. Of course, it's that birthday week for me, so I'm ready. I'm ready to have a good one. We'll be looking to make some money, of course, like always. We'll see if we get after it. Like always, all about process. Joel is just having a couple days off. We'll see what happens. All right. And catch me today also at At The Close. I'm going to try my best to do At The Close by myself. So I'll see you guys over there. Come spend some time with me. That's at at the close, 3.30 Eastern every single day. Hit the thumbs up on your way out. Now let's get to some live trading action.